0: Good morning, let me welcome you to your seats. It has been a fun day as has already been mentioned. So, to celebrate and to connect, it's wonderful to have our students with us. Uh, this morning, we value family worshiping together. Uh, the actual intent of that is not just a break for teachers or something like that. It's an intentional decision to worship together as families. So. We celebrate you being here today. We're working our way through the New Testament. This week, we will finish the book of Acts, Acts 27, 28. And then on Wednesday, we pick up Romans 1, 2, and 3, which is where I'm going to start today. I'm going to pick up at Romans, excited to pick up Romans, Uh, don't want to miss. There's some great stuff in 27, 28 in Acts, but I don't want to miss 1, 2, and 3 in Romans, so that's what we're gonna be reading this week. If you haven't been reading with us, some folks have said I'm a little behind or, or I started late or whatever. Just start, just join us, please. Romans 1, the Gospels, the book of Acts, and start with this letter from Paul to the church in Rome. Now, one of the most spiritually powerful movies ever is about Wesley and Buttercup, right? And rodents of unusual size. Princess Bride. If you've never seen Princess Bride, it would be more important for you to leave now, watch it. Listen to my sermon later. I watched Princess Bride before it was what it is. I watched it when it was just like, I don't know, what do you wanna watch? Let's get this. We watched it. VHS, anybody? Come on, VHS. And so we're watching that, right? And it's become this classic thing. And in the beginning, Wesley loves Buttercup. She's clueless. He loves her. She's clueless. And then she realizes that every time he says, as you wish, he's really saying, boy, fetch me that pot. He reaches up, and with a smoldering look of love, he says, <laughs> as you wish. She gets really bummed out at him at one point, like kicks him down the hill, right? She thinks he's, the, I can't do a spoiler alert, but I'm gonna say, he's, he kicks him down a hill, and as he's rolling down the hill, you hear him say, as you wish. She didn't know it was him until he said that. That's the title today, As You Wish. As You Wish. That's the posture of our Lord toward us. As You Wish. I want it to be challenging for you today. I want it to be startling for you today. And I want it to be encouraging for you today. As You Wish. This book of Romans, it's first in the order because it's the longest. It's not real rocket science. That's just how they set it up. So it's the first one. Now, it's a systematic view of the gospel. But a lot of times we think it's the righteous, particularly if we're Christianized, we think it's the righteousness that comes to us. Righteousness through faith, which we're gonna talk about. But it's actually just as much so, not just the righteousness that we receive. And righteousness doesn't necessarily mean good, it means innocent, and that, was that first verse that Arnick read this morning, Romans 8.33, that's my favorite verse in the Bible. Talks about being justified because God says I am. I'm justified because he says I am. Who will bring a charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. So who can bring a charge against me when God says I'm innocent? There's two answers to that. You can't and I can't. Nobody gets to bring the charge. But my question would be this, who brings the charge against you most often? We do, we often do. So no one gets to bring that charge when he says, I'm made righteous, justified. But this book is also about the righteousness of God, God's righteousness to do justice, God's righteousness to do right. And it's a very, very interesting read when you kick into these first three chapters. Many times we hear the Roman road, again, Christian thing, 365, how convenient, What a great memory aid, 365 days in the year, of course, 365. So 323, 623, 58, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? You read through that. That's awesome. That's often where we start, but that was in chapter what? Three. It was in chapter three. There's a chapter one and two. And this book is about the justice of God, the righteousness of God, to say And do what he says. God said to Abraham, not just believe on me. Abraham believed. You're going to have a son. Abraham believed. And it was counted to him for righteousness. But God made Abraham a promise. Anybody know the promise that God made Abraham? Think about it. God made him a promise. You might say he promised him a son. Okay, there's a bigger promise. That through that son, through that son, every family on earth would be blessed. Now, The Jewish people, even first century Jews, James, those folks, post-Jesus resurrection, even those Jews got it wrong. They say themselves they got it wrong. We had a symposium. We had a conference in Acts 15. We read it just a few weeks ago to get everybody together and say, what's this Gentile thing? These people are supposed to be circumcised just like we were, right? This is supposed to be on them, and they all get together. And some say it's not even for Gentiles. What's the deal? This is a promise to Abraham. Yes, it is a promise to Abraham. But it's a promise about Abraham's seed. Abraham's seed. That through his son, every family on earth would be blessed. Not just every Jewish family. But that's how they read it. Until they started seeing what God was doing. And then they reread it and they're like, oh, it says every family. (laughs) Okay. Slightly overread that. I was talking to someone this week. And about a year ago, there was a conflict and a conversation that he and I had. And it spun him out. I mean, I knew it the second I said it. And I was trying to give him the righteousness of God and the gospel. I was loving the guy. The Christianity that he was living was killing him. Did you hear what I just said? The Christianity that he'd been living for 30, 40 years was killing him. And I'm like, brother, brother, when you're living like that, this is the gospel. And it was so radical to him, it spun him out. It spun him out, I saw it happen right there, just like I rear-ended this car. We we're at Federal Coffee, at the table, and I'm like, oh my goodness, and we talked about it immediately. We've talked about it for one entire year. This week, we were talking about it again, and I said, buddy, that's not what I said. He said, well, you said this. I'm like, no, 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 that's not at all what I said. His statement to me was this. Are you telling me I lost a year of my life because I misunderstood what you said? Yeah, probably, maybe, maybe. When we misunderstand what's being said, right? When we gloss over it, not wanting you to gloss over these readings, not wanting you to just zip through, would love, would challenge you, encourage you, read them slow. Read them slow. Read them in translations that you can understand. Read them in something, that's. read them in several. Come to me, I'll help you. I'll give you a Bible today. I'll give you a Bible today that is in American speak. I'll give it to you. It's in the idioms of Americana. (laughs) I'll give you that Bible today. I have dozens of them in my office. We want to hear what he's saying. purpose of this book you have to understand a little bit of the history there was a church in Rome and then Claudius the emperor said all Jews get out of Rome all Jews he kicked all the Jews out of Rome and they went different places in fact if I have this correct I think it's Corinth Aquila and Priscilla went to Corinth Paul went to Corinth they were kicked out of Rome they met in Corinth they connected they went to Ephesus we read about this last couple weeks they went to Ephesus and in Ephesus what did Aquila and Priscilla do they talked to Apollos, right? And then Paul went on to Jerusalem. So there's this whole pathway, this whole track that we can follow. And then after five years, whatever happened, all the Jews were invited back in. Now, in those five years in Rome, the Gentile church stayed. They weren't Jews. They didn't get kicked out. So they stayed. The, Rome, uh, the, Greek, uh, the um, Jewish people were asked to leave, forced to leave. In five years, they came back. And what did those Jewish believers find? They found a church that was doing a lot of things differently than when they left. And that's some of the tension, right? Some of the classic have-to-be-circumcised, Sabbath, those kind of classic things. Paul is writing this book for two main reasons. Unity in people. Unity in people. Unity. What matters? And then to point out the righteousness of God himself. God says, I'm going to bless you. If you're a parent or an auntie or an uncle and you so desire to bless your children, and by golly, they do every single thing they can in the world I'm not speaking from experience. I've just been a pastor a long time, and I'm talking about other families. (laughs) They do everything they can to keep you from having a reason to bless them. Like, I'm wanting to help you. Like, I'm wanting to do good for you. And you keep dismantling that, sabotaging that, keep getting in the way. My goal here, my promise is to care for you and provide for you and help you I hope all of our four-year-olds are listening right now is what I hope. To help you. And still, and we've all been teenagers, right? We're still in that space where we get in our own way. That's what we're talking about right here. God made a promise. And the the lineage of Abraham just kept messing it up. He's like, y'all, I would love to bless you. (laughs) You just keep working on me here. Yeah, it's God being faithful to his promise. It's God providing a way in which he can fulfill his promise. It's God being just. As I look through Romans 1, there's a couple of things that I find curious. I don't know when I thought about it. I mean, I don't listen to everyone preaching in the world and all of that. You know, I'm not that, I don't know. But in 40, 50 years of listening to preaching, every single week of my life. I don't know that I've heard this a ton. I don't know that I've heard this a lot. But I was reading through Romans 1, and there was a phrase that struck me. And from this phrase, I take my title today, as you wish. So I just told Eli, I said, man, download all of Romans 1 and all of Romans 2, bro, because we're, we're going to be all over the thing. So maybe it'll be up there, or you can follow along. But here, here we are. I want you to look at Romans chapter 1, verse 24. It's in 24, it's in 26, and it's in 28. It's in 24, it's in 26, it's in 28. It's the same phrase. It says, God gave them over. There's 24. God gave them over. Can you throw up 26? In 26, it says, because of this, God gave them over. And 28, they didn't think it'd be worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. Therefore, he gave them over, as you wish. There's something in here as Paul is setting up this story to where God wants to bless us. God wants us to have salvation and freedom and redemption. That was his original plan. That's his promise to Moses to Abraham, this life abundant. But he has to start off the book saying, the people got in their way, their own way. And when you look at this and you see the storyline of the scripture, it repeats over and over. In verse 24, I'll read it to you. God gave them over in sinful desires of their heart to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. God said, if that's what you want, then here you go. God gave them over to what they wanted. They were pushing for something, and he said, if you'll allow me, as you wish. Sobering. In verse 26, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts talks about relationships, sexual relationships. It's very interesting to me that these manifest, Paul talks about these manifesting in types of sexual relationships. But he says, because that's what you wanted, I'm gonna give you over to this, here you go. And it wasn't, I want a vanilla ice cream and God keeps pumping cupcakes at me. I said I wanted a vanilla ice cream. I don't want any cupcakes, no, no. He said, if vanilla ice cream is what you want, Vanilla ice cream is what you may have. And then third, since they did not, verse 28, since they didn't retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. Don't want you to read over that. I don't want you to start at Romans 3. You gotta read 1 and 2. It's part of the story but it's the justice of God. And let me just toss this in right now, as you wish. But you know what? You're here because that is not what you wish. You're here because that's not what you wish. But there is a struggle, there is a tension I was telling the story at Discovery, it probably happened a year ago, a woman that was baptized right here where I stand. I baptized her right here. She was in one of our classes at Next Step, and she happened to be sitting right in the edge corner seat, It kind of looped around, she was right there. And it was a Monday evening, and during that time I taught till Wednesday and then I wasn't around the rest of the week. And so I showed up on Monday and she was sitting over there. She'd had a relapse after that Wednesday, somewhere in that weekend, and they got together and they talked and they, 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 that's, their, that's their culture. And they, chat you know, can you stay, go, what, what are we doing here, what's going on, what's the condition of her heart and repentance and all that, right? And so I knew what had happened and she was allowed to stay there. Everybody else in the whole place knew. It wasn't a confidential moment. So I looked over, I said, hey, how's it going? She said, I had a pretty, pretty rough weekend. I said, I heard. And then I said this at the beginning of the class. I said, did you want to use this weekend? She said, No. So let me ask you that again. Did you want to use this weekend? And she said, yes. And to the class, I said, and that is exactly the truth. Because that is a word we call ambivalence. It's the tension between two things. I want this and I want this. And that is where Romans opens. This isn't, Bo, remember this week we were talking about Exodus, Jeremy and Bo and uh and Tyler and I were doing a Bible study on Wednesday mornings, and we were working through Exodus. And these guys are both like, "Man, that's, i think you said these aren't little fairy tale stories. These have application. Like, this is really for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are these are stories that come out of humanity. This isn't some ancient narrative about Rome and we all wear a little head—you know—wreaths on our head. No, 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 no. This stuff is human nature, and it is God's desire to fulfill His promise when we get in the way." It is his desire to do good. It is God's will that none perish. God loved the world. He gave, right? None perish. And we get in the way. And that's what we have to be aware of. So as I was reading through here and I thought, wow, he gave them over. Gave them over. Is this just something that we see in Romans? No. mm -mm, No. You will see it through the whole Bible. You will see it through the whole Bible. You might see it first in Egypt. One of the most popularized stories would be Moses and Pharaoh, right? Prince of Egypt and all those kinds of stories. In those cartoon narratives and veggie tales and all that business, in those things, they don't tell you, that the scripture says, Pharaoh hardened his heart for the first five plagues. And the scripture says, God hardened his heart for the last five. Isn't it? unfair, speaking of fair and unfair a little bit ago, isn't it unfair that God would harden your heart and then punish you for it? I say yes. (laughs) That's what I'd say. It's unfair that God would harden your heart and then punish you for it. But that's not how the story is. In the first five plagues, and there were 10 of them, in the first five plagues, it was Pharaoh who hardened his heart. And then God said, and I am... Taking some editorial license here. God then said, as you wish. As you wish. If that's the life that you want, I'm begging you, I'm working. Hello, am I in here by myself? Anybody experience the grace of God when you're just dumb? You're just dumb. You're just being, you're, sometimes it's ignorant and sometimes it's stupid. And you are just in your own way. And it is the mercies of God new every morning that reach out and grab us in Romans 2 it says don't you know that it is the kindness of god it is the kindness of god that is to draw you to repentance it is that thing where you're like you are what i want and that's what i want i said it yesterday i say it every time i can we're not trying to quit sinning we're trying to love jesus I'm not trying to be cool and hip and jiggy and fly and fat and whatever else. I'm not trying to be all that. What I'm trying to do is help you know what's right. I want you to win. I want you to find the things that you're actually wanting to find. That's why you're here. I know you're here because as you wish, what you want is depth in God. I know that. I believe it. And I also know ambivalence. And I also know that there's an enemy of our soul. And I also know we get tripped up. I know that as well, and so did Paul. You can look in the book of Judges. The book of Judges is a clinic on this. They cried out to the Lord, and he gave them a judge to save them. And then they were saved, and they were living good. And then they started looking away, which is what sin is. It's idolatry. I'm looking to something else. They started looking away, and then the Lord says, okay, if that's who you'd like to serve, as you wish, and when they began to serve those other gods, whatever they were, as it always is, pretty dandy up front, yeah, pretty good in the first day or two, week, month, and then it starts coming home, and they're oppressed, and they're in bondage, and many times they're in exile, and what do they do? They cry out to God, and what is that? That is repenting, turning from one God to the god. And then he says, "Okay. If you're turning to me, I'll help you out." That happens over how many judges are there? <laughs> right? Gideon, Sam's, even Samson. Right? All these judges time and time and time again. And when you see the cycle, and maybe you see it in your own life. You see the cycle of, "Lord, you bless me. Thank you so much." Maybe it's Monday to Friday, I don't know. Sometimes it's that fast. But you see the cycle of I am loving you, living large. And I start glancing over somewhere else and I'm looking to have those needs of acceptance and belonging and community. I'm looking to have those needs met somewhere else. When I do that, he'll go, hey, come here. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. When it is in our heart, to go after that, telling you the truth. He will at one point say, as you wish. And you will get banged up and beat up and hurt. And we all hope you make it back from your relapse. We hope you make it back from your recurrence, but it's not a given. And he will let you do that thing. And then he will be like the father of the prodigal. He will stand at the gate. And he will be looking at you before you turn your eyes to look back at him. But he will let you walk. And that should rattle your cage of hair. But here's the deal. We want him. That's why we're here. <laughs> right. Who got dragged in? I mean, come on, you know, lassoed and like, and, you know, come on, you're here. You can leave. You're here. I know that. That's the part that I'm reaching toward. Both of those things are in there. Paul said it in Romans 7. It's just a couple chapters away. We'll read it next week. Paul said, the thing that I don't want to do, I do. That's not good. (laughs) And the thing I want to do, I can't do. That's not good either. I want to love Jesus. You don't have to clean yourself up. You just need to love him. Didn't he say, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now, you might think I'm twisting that around, but let's try this one. He said all the law and prophets hang on two commands, and what are they? Love God, love your neighbor. So if I love God and love you, I don't have to worry about sinning or offending God because I love you and I love God, and that will get the job done. Pretty sure when I love you, I won't murder you. Pretty sure. My goal is to love to love to love and here's the deal my friend don't play around with that ambivalence don't play around with that come in this space and love him fully love him recklessly love him with an open heart honest you don't have to be me or arnick or anybody else you don't have to lift your hands or kneel or you don't even have to sing i don't whatever your thing is you do need to connect in that meaningful way, and let that thing in you that wants to come out, come out. Because I'm telling you right now, if you suppress it, the other guy wins. I'm just telling you, that's just how it is. Those two things are at war. Paul said, I die every six months, <laughs> fiscal year, oh, that's right. No, I die daily. What a chump he was. What a lightweight. To have to die daily, I sure don't have to do that. Huh? Come on. We die daily to self. Die daily to these other things. Let's look at what some of these are. That's what was intriguing me this time. Because look at verse 24. Doing a good job, Eli. Thank you, buddy. Look, verse 24. It says, it starts with this word. Therefore, God. Don't let that be lost on you. It says, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity and degrading of their bodies with one another, okay? That's what it says. That's what happened. But it starts with therefore, meaning something else was done first, communicating something to God. <laughs> and he's like, oh, oh, okay, well, well, therefore, I would give you over to this. So what would it be? Let's go to verse uh, 20, 21. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. There you go. You know God, but you don't glorify him. I don't glorify him. I don't give thanks to him. That's the prerequisite. And I do that long enough, and he says, okay, as you wish. If you'd like to be your own savior, as you wish. If you'd like to be responsible, not glorifying God, not giving thanks to him, if, you'd like to, if that's how you'd like to live, and it's all you, and you're the source of the water, okay. As you wish. You'd wish. you like to run the sailboat on your own, I'm gonna hop off here on the shore, and let me know how it goes. As you wish. They didn't glorify him as God, they didn't give thanks to him, but their thinking became futile. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images, made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. They exchanged the glory of God. Now maybe they made a little icon thing out of, you know, olive wood or something like that. Maybe that's what it was. But clearly we have our own idols. And when we're not aware and acknowledge, and just simply acknowledge. Ready for this? You want to do an exercise with me? Ready? That can go anytime, he says. He gives us our breath, he gives us our life. To acknowledge that. And those things that you're so good at. I went to a really selective college, most of you know that. I got in there because some doctor had a fishing buddy (laughs) that was on the nominating committee. And I hurt my back and went to that doctor, and that doctor called his buddy, and then the senator called me. You know how much I had to do with that? I mean, you know, I had to pass once I got there, but the door's opening. Sometimes we give ourselves a little bit too much credit. Welcome to being human, right? Welcome to being American human, right? Where we just give ourselves far too, much, far too much credit. When you're reading through, it would do us good to look at 21, 22, and 23. Have I exchanged the glory of the immortal God for some other thing? What about 26? It says, 26, same thing. Throw that up there if you would. It says, because of this, same kind of deal. In, in, in 24, it was, therefore, God gave them over. But here it says, because of this. So what's the this? What is it, right? Let's look back. Because of this. Verse 25. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who's praised forever. I don't think you have to be a deep sociologist to recognize that lots of things in our culture worship the creature. And then the appropriate thing to do would be, how much am I worshiping the creature? This creature, the things man made, all that, like how much is that happening? That's the right way to read this. We exchange the truth of God for a lie in this Bible study that we were talking about with Genesis and and Exodus and all these things. In Exodus, Moses goes to the mountain He's at the the Israelites are at the bottom of the mountain. They're looking up the mountain. There's a cloud on the mountain. They know Moses is there. It's a cloud. They can see it. Forty days pass, and they're like, We have been abandoned. (laughs) Make us a God. Make us a God. And then Aaron's like, Well, I don't know. How about can I have your jewelry and stuff? And they make an. Make us a God so we may worship that God as the one that brought us out of Egypt. Aren't these simple, simple people? Huh? Aren't these pitifully simple people? Huh? The cloud is on the mountain, friend. You're standing right there looking at it. It's been 40 days. It's not like it was, well, I heard in 76 he went up there. Like, it's been 40 days. And all of a sudden, what do we do? Give me something else. This is scary business. We willingly believe a lie and bow our knee to worship something that we just created. Wow, that's what God is working with. He's trying to bless people and bring them into salvation and freedom, redemption and life. And that's what he's working with. And that's how it starts. One last one. 28. Same deal, verse 28. Furthermore, right, so he's, like, he's telling, here's the precedent. Furthermore, and just as they didn't think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. We just don't keep God in our thoughts the knowledge of God, the things that we come to know about him. I don't think I know everything about God. And when you ask me a question about God and I say I don't know, I actually think that's an act of worship. No joke. You ask me a question about God and I'm like, man, I don't know. People are like, you're supposed to be a pastor? You're supposed to know. I'm like, well, maybe so, but I don't. And when I say I don't know something about God, to me, in my body, it feels like an act of worship. I don't know about you. I don't know everything. But there are some things I do know. And to remember those intersections and to remember the touching moments and the things that i felt and the words that have come to me. When I push that aside, God says, okay, he gives us over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. That is not what we're wanting to do. That is not where we're wanting to be. And in the scripture, story after story after story, come on, Arnold. Story after story after story tells us this cycle of God save me. When things get easy, I get to looking. I lose the sobriety of mind. I lose the sobriety of purpose. I lose and forget, and pride sneaks in. I was talking to someone this week. I said, I think it's impossible to have pride if you're thankful. I think so. I'm pretty sure That it's going to be hard to rise up with pride when you're grateful. Because when you're grateful, you're thinking about whatever this is came from something else, came from someone else. So, can we acknowledge God as God? Not just here today, you're doing that clearly. Clearly, you are here. It was said earlier this is the icing on the cake, it's not the cake. God calls this church to be the best Monday to Saturday church you've ever gone to. Monday to Saturday. Where we're walking this out. And where people that are struggling, we're able to help them with their ambivalence. We're able to not condemn them because in Romans 7, you'll read it next week, or two weeks out. In Romans 7 where Paul said the things I don't want to do, I do. And what I want to do, I can't do. And then he tags this in here. Oh, wretched man that I am. That sounds like shame speak to me. Oh, wretched man that I am. Then he says, praise be to Jesus. And that's the end of chapter seven. Anybody want to help me with chapter eight, verse one? There is, there, oh, oh, a there is, a therefore, oh, a there, let's do it this way, huh? As a result of that, as a result of I am ambivalent, but I acknowledge Jesus as my savior, as a result of that, as a result of the things I want to do, I can't do. What I don't want to do, I do. I'm a failure. I'm self-identifying as a wretched man, but I acknowledge Jesus' grace as a result of that. Do you know what happens? one. There is therefore now. There is therefore now. Now. No condemnation. That is shame. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ, who don't walk after the flesh, but after. The Spirit. And you're here, I get it. But I want you to see that whole picture. There's a book bigger than this, <laughs> it's called the Big Book. <laughs> I don't know how big it actually is. Dana, there are three characteristics. Cunning. What are the other two? Baffling. Powerful. Cunning. You're not just out there walking the road on your own. There's an enemy of your soul and you got yourself to deal with, right? It's baffling, it's powerful, it's cunning. Romans wasn't Paul's first book. He wrote this later in his career. And he says in that book, man, the things I wanna do, I'm not doing, oh my gosh, what I wanted, I can't, what? But he got it right. Praise to Jesus. I'm a hot mess, but Jesus says I'm innocent. I struggle with myself and get in my own way, but I take it back to Jesus. And one of the reasons we defend the space that is this room is for you to be able to come into this space and leave your shame out in the parking lot and come in here and intersect the Holy Spirit and come in here and be able to say, it's Jesus that I want. It's Jesus that I love. It's Jesus that changed my life, and I acknowledge it's Jesus and just as messed up as you were walking in here? But as a result of that, therefore, no condemnation. I want to do better, and I don't, but I want Jesus. You know what he says? As you wish. I want you, Lord. I get in my own way. I struggle. I fail. I embarrass myself. Shame is always chasing me down, but I love you. And in my broken mess of a life, and failure, I'm coming back to you. And Jesus says, as you wish. I want relationship with you, Lord. I know I'm, I I know me, I know. But I want you. This is the life I want. I want salvation. I want to be connected to you. I want freedom. I really actually want meaningful connection with other people. And if they know about me, oh my God, but I want it, he says, as you wish. It's here. That's one of those promises. The Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two edged sword, dividing asunder soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thought and intent of the heart. The word of God today that's been preached to you knows your intent. Not your actions, your intent. And he can take that ambivalence and meet you. And the love for him will grow. Why do we love him? Anybody want to help me with that? John said it. We love him because he first loved us, and when we realize how much he loves us in our messed up, jacked up spot, he loves us, and we love him more, and the disparity grows. And yes, I mess up, but I turn to him. I'm asking you today to turn to him. I'm asking you right now, turn to him. Turn to him. I don't want you thinking about your mess ups. I don't want you thinking about your sin failure, your addictions. I don't want you to think about any of it. I want you to think about turning to him. And when you turn to him, he will say, as you wish. This is what I want you to say.